Welcome to Future Forecast. This is a no-filter podcast where we debate topics that are typically glossed over by the mainstream media. These are hand-picked topics that we think deserve a deep dive. I'm your host, Hyena, and I am with... Fox. And today's topic is terraforming and the impact on the world around us. Before we jump right into it, our social media links are in the description. And as always, all our sources are linked below. The points we bring up are opinions, and unfortunately, due to the way the world works, we need to say that we are not bona fide experts, and the opinions do not constitute investment advice, so take everything we say with a grain of salt. All right, let's jump into it. All right, so maybe we uh, should start by defining terraforming for our guests today. That's right, that's right. So, I mean, this is the Wikipedia definition uh, and about terraforming in, in general, yeah. so it's the... So it's the hypothetical process of deliberating, uh, deliberately, deliberately uh, modifying the atmosphere, temperature, uh, surface, uh, top- topography, or ecology of the planet, moon, or other body, to the to similar to the environment of Earth to make it hab- uh, habitable by Earth-like life. Yeah, that's a, a mouthful. Yeah, <laughs> that that was actually really hard. It's just like as you're reading this, you're just like, whoa, man, they're putting lot of jargon into this and you're just like okay anyway i hope i hope the guests actually understood this if not let's let's dumb it down let's let's try to dumb this down so basically yeah like what they're saying on wikipedia is basically it's the process of transforming some body to be closer to earth so that things can live on it i would say that's Okay, so so basically, they're just trying to make it as close to Earth as possible by doing some sort of modification, by doing some sort of uh, alternation of wherever uh, where, wherever this environment is, such that humans can can live. Basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. And I guess most often you'll hear it talked about when they're talking about like uh, living on Mars or living on a moon base or something. Right. And so you know, to live on a Mars, you would need I don't know, maybe they'll need an atmosphere. To grow things and they always talk about things you know doing things to make an atmosphere and and all these non non like natural non unnatural unnatural guys unnatural Unnatural. we're having a hard time here it's not a normal (laughs) time slot that we're working with here but uh, unnatural processes yeah to um to make like an atmosphere or something but today we're not really going to be talking about um, you know Mars or the Moon. We're going to be talking mostly about about Earth or so, Elon Musk's idea of like what going to, going to Mars. Yeah, now, was it? I mean, if we want to go there, we could, but maybe right. it's another episode for, for a space episode or something. A space but, um, yeah. But yeah, I think what we want to really touch upon is uh, you know uh, Greta and her <laughs> and and her her militant uh, march uh, for climate and. Uh, you know, there's a lot of climate change going on and uh, there's, you know, believe it or not, terraforming that needs to be done maybe on Earth to help us cope with the effects of climate change. So that that and also the other types of topics such as geoengineering, because that seems like quite a interesting topic, both controversial and innovative as well. So we should we should really start going into those those as well. So uh we could we could start off with the statistics here you know uh of like the carbon emissions that at least the united states i should have also gotten the canadian the canadian one but it seems <laughs> like at least for the united states here in 2019 it says that they've emitted 5.1 billion metric tons of energy related carbon dioxide 
And while the global emissions of energy-related carbon dioxide's total 33.1 billion metric tons. Damn, that's a lot. <laughs> that, that is actually quite a lot. I just can't fathom the, like, how that, how that looks like in, in like, an, uh, how, how do I say it? In, like, in real view. Oh, yeah. metric tons. Especially since, like, if, if it's a gas, like, I don't know, when they consider a metric ton, like, a... Is it at room temperature? Like, yeah, it'll change. It'll change volume, right? So it's really weird to think of it. I don't know how they calculate it in uh, metric tons. So, I guess it's by weight, right? But so volume would not would would be irrelevant because they're just talking about the weight of the gas itself. Exactly. I guess that's kind of weird though because you're trying to think of it as like dump trucks worth of carbon, but in reality, it's a gas, so it's gonna take up. I I always wanted to know how do they like do they do they like form the gas like do they take the gas turn into liquid and then they they measure it or do they like no, that's why i think it's only like based on the weight of the atom because it doesn't matter the, the on the the volume yeah you're just taking the weights of the atoms i guess and then then you somehow form but then it. but it's not a very useful way to like visualize it right because we always yeah. think of things as like some sort of solid block or or like a bottle of water or whatever but in this case it's <laughs> It's not, I guess, not too useful. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, anyway, folks, this is that's that's how much we've uh, emitted, and now we're trying per, to. Is that per year? We don't know. Oh uh, yeah, it's in twenty nineteen. So yeah, that's per year. So every year it's probably going up, and uh, and yeah, that's a that's quite a lot, and we've done that for the last hundred and fifty years or so. So so now it's just like these uh, these different types of techniques, right? Such as like carbon sequestration and as well as biologic carbon sequestration. Yeah, so I guess like well, why don't we just start with the natural way the world yeah. gets rid of carbon? So that would be through trees, and that, well, that's the first one you think of, right? Is trees sucking the carbon out of the air and making oxygen and growing and. And then spinning it out at night because of obviously this tree is like that. That's actually quite interesting. Uh, I think, and you could correct me if I'm if I'm wrong here, Fox. It's just there. There are people that often say you shouldn't be close to a tree uh, at night, like especially in a forest or something, because apparently all the carbon dioxide gets emitted out, and then really? you can. You I've know, ne I've what? never heard of. Uh, I think that sounds like a like a fairy tale. It's it, like. It looks like a fairy tale. I've never tried it, so I wouldn't know. But that's uh... that's weird because, like, what what process is it releasing the car carbon? I think I think the idea, or I think what they were trying to say was that you know uh, trees will take in as much carbon dioxide as possible, spit it out into oxygen, but whatever they couldn't process at night, they would release that out. Okay, like I mean, it, then. I don't know that that to me that just sounds like it'll just be the the amount of normal carbon dioxide in the atmosphere if you were like not in the forest. Because if there was no forest, then they wouldn't be taking out any of the carbon dioxide. So in the city, you'll have a what? bunch of I, I don't know because it's not adding to it, right? Yeah, yeah, it's just releasing whatever it couldn't use in the night. So it was just whatever was already in the atmosphere. I I suppose. Yeah. I mean, look, it sounds, know, sounds sounds crazy, crazy to talk. me. Like that's yeah. like that's some like voodoo level <laughs> shit. <laughs> level I have to say, like people, it sounds like flat earthers or something. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna hey. die at night if you go camping in the woods because the carbon's gonna strangle you to death. <laughs> anyway, but yes, so that is so that is one of the ways trees trees often yeah. take uh take carbon. But then, 
So, yeah, well, I mean, so, so let's just talk about that then. So one of the ways to mm-hmm. get to, to uh, combat climate change would be to plant more trees, logically, right? And so that's actually what's going on in a lot of places. So um, there's plans in China, for example, mm-hmm. to plant, I don't know, billions and billions of trees because they are right now fighting the desert expansion. And this is actually also happening in the Sahara. Okay. Um, but Sahara, they have no concentrated effort because they don't have like a communist centralized dictatorship to, you know, direct tons of peasants to plant lots of trees. <laughs> but in the Gobi Desert in uh, China, mm-hmm. they're actually like sending armies of people to just plant tons of trees. And so the idea is that it's a tu- dual purpose. They're transforming the earth. They're, they're stopping the expansion of the desert so that they can keep their croplands. And then at the same time, they'll be able to reduce their greenhouse gas emissions because they have a lot of problem with um, so these are gases there. So this is going to be a bunch of silly questions, but uh, okay. So the expansion of the Gobi Desert. So that means that the desert keeps on growing, and it's it's uh, getting it's knocking off more more of uh, arable land, basically. Yeah, exactly. Like over yeah. time, right? Okay. So while they're while that is expanding, they're trying to just plant trees in the desert. Uh, yeah. Right? Well, I guess it's on the edges of the desert, and then because so basically how the well how I understand it anyways is that. Like when you plant trees, it mm-hmm. actually stabilizes the soil around it because of all the roots mm-hmm. and the leaves and whatever stops the sand kind of from blowing in. So if you stop that, because the sand will, will happen if you don't have the trees, it's just like the sand gets blown over, it covers the ground, nothing more grows anymore mm-hmm. and it just makes it worse and worse and it cascades and then so the desert starts expanding over because now nothing can grow there. Yeah. So then it's just like a self-fulfilling cycle. So basically what they're trying to do is they're, they're trying to stop at the edges of where the Gobi Desert starts coming in. And then from there, they're kind of like, okay, we've started a, we've started like a wall, line yeah. and w- a exactly. wall, and now we're just going to keep pushing. Yeah, okay. exactly. Okay, cool. So that's kind of what they're doing. And um, I think it's actually working. Actually, I don't, I don't think I have like images here, but there, I think there were satellite images. Of, really? um, of the Gobi Desert, um, the program, and they were actually like having mild success. Uh, let me see if I can find this. Hang on, guests. Okay, so it even says here, like since 1978, China has been planting millions of trees in an ambitious project aimed at holding back the Gobi Desert since 1978. Um, yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah, because they've known it's been a big problem. Like they they have a hard time feeding their population right yeah so here's actually like a aerial photo of what they've done let me try and turn around my thing here yeah let me just check that out so it's like this so they just like plant tons and tons of trees i don't know if i had it before and after but you see they're they're just planted in a way and um this is like what it looks like before like it looks kind of like this Mm-hmm. And then eventually it grows up, and uh, it was like that image you just saw. So, damn. Yeah, and here's like a pretty good image of them like trying to fight <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the expansion. You just see. So, guys, for those of you not uh, seeing it, there's a like a before image uh, where it's just all you know like dry in the desert, and then the next image it's full of trees everywhere, and then there's another image where you literally see the sand dunes, and there's like a like a straight line across because that's where they've tri- like planted all the trees and. Those are growing, and then on the other side, it's literally sand dunes. So it's pretty impressive. I don't know if it'll like hold in the long term or what kind of maintenance they need to do to like upkeep that or or anything. But um, but yeah, there there are efforts being made there, and uh, 
you know, China has a, like a big problem even before to feed its population because it has so many people. And now they're richer and they demand more and more quality food and they need, you know, more per person and they don't have enough arable land. They actually import most of their food. So, um, yeah, that is one thing. And um, I think, yeah, in the Sahara, actually, if you go back lot, like far enough, like mm-hmm. in the time of the pharaohs, the Sahara was actually like, I don't want to say like fully green, but like there was a lot more vegetation. Okay. And over like 10,000 years, it's actually become like drier and drier as the weather patterns change naturally, I guess. But um, yeah, that's why a lot of um, a lot of things they, they think are just buried under sand, like a lot of ruins and stuff, like where it used to not be sand, right? Um, right, so... Because people wouldn't have lived there if it was like so difficult to live, right? So they were think- they're thinking that, oh, archaeologically, it was probably much easier to live there back in the day. It's it's quite interesting. I'm just like scrolling, scrolling through pictures and you can see it via the TV as well. Like, oh, I'm yeah. just like... I'm looking at this and I'm like, damn, this is uh, quite quite an interesting project that they're they're like using their tractors and they're they're plowing all these all these areas and they're just like putting trees and putting more trees. Well, I mean, this seems this seems quite like a positive thing at least at least on China's end. Like, yeah, like I, I just I don't know really um, what it takes to upkeep this though. Like, I don't know if they need to divert water. So there, there, you know, there might be drawbacks that I, I just don't know, but because uh, there must be, I don't know how much water this 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 area gets naturally. So naturally, but I I suppose that this is just like a like uh, a starting gun, right? So once they get once they get the trees going, maybe condensation can start flowing in, which mm-hmm. will then start changing the weather patterns. But they need to first like put a lot of like uh, force in like the initial in the initial setup so that. Uh, the trees can start doing their own thing. I'm I'm assuming I'm not I'm not <laughs> at all in this in this field. So maybe everything I'm saying is a bunch of hogwash. But <laughs> it's like it seems it seems like the most logical way here. Huh. Yeah. So I mean that's like an interesting way that like already you could see all the work that's being done to transform Earth. So that, that's literally a pretty decent example terraforming, and uh, you know they're transforming it to be more suitable for humans, which is the yeah. exact definition. So. Yeah, that's like an interesting way. So, and that's a natural way to sequester carbon. So, um, so you see that that is one of the things. You know, the the opposite is true though too, where they're plowing the Amazon, and now the Amazon is. I think they they found that the Amazon's emitting more carbon than it's actually sequestering because they've just demolished so much of it uh, in order to make uh, farmland for cattle and stuff like that. That's that's just absolute insanity. It's like they're. It's as if it's as if people are just like, ah, it's okay. It's not gonna be our problem. <laughs> well, I guess uh, kind of. Yeah, some people, some people could agree with that. I guess yeah, yeah they won't be around, so they don't care. Um, but yeah, that's that's uh, probably not the best way to think if you're looking uh, long term. Um, so another way to sequester carbon naturally mm-hmm. um, is through the world's oceans. So right. Um, actually, I think it's like 70% of all oxygen is actually created in the ocean, not from trees. And that's because the volume of the ocean is so large and it's all from algae and uh, phytoplankton and all these, you know, small microbial life. And so maybe one of the ways to sequester carbon would be through the ocean. You would promote, like there's there's plans to like promote um, algae growth using like 
iron dust and stuff they would like sprinkle iron dust into the ocean mm-hmm. and like because it's like i guess some sort of compound that the um algae needs to thrive like they need to eat something right um, oh like you know how like you have to fertilize your plants yeah same thing with the uh, algae right you need to fertilize the algae and that's normally done through uh the excrements of the fish right <laughs> but but now uh, what i'm wondering about the algae is uh if i understand correctly because of the rising temperature due to global warming that's also affecting algae right if i if i remember correctly yeah. or it's like the coral sorry i i'm getting it that's bleaching the coral, the coral reef coral, you're yeah. also seeing like i think increased algae growth in like lakes and stuff like that mm-hmm. and, and i know there's a lot of seaweed problems like seaweed just washing up everywhere like in florida and stuff like that right um yeah i don't know if that's actually due to the temperature of the water itself or because the um the 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 coral reefs are disappearing and the coral reefs are exactly like the forest we were just talking about they like stop the expansion of the desert of the like ocean floor right so they like hold back the sand and when when the sand is not held back it just like washes away all the the seaweed the seaweed just washes up on the in the on the beach basically so yeah i'm I'm not i'm not exactly sure but i think that's part of part of it it's a very complicated problem and it's very hard to study because it's literally on the ocean floor and nobody really goes down there <laughs> so yeah and i believe like through our notes it's called blue carbon the, yeah exactly yeah. so they say like blue carbon is so, yeah removing the atmos- uh carbon from the carbon dioxide from the atmosphere using the world's ocean mm-hmm. so yeah so basically that they're saying is oh, okay well normally it has a balance because there's only so much fish and now the fish are being fished out of the ocean so you're seeing less and less um algae growth because they have less and less nutrients mm-hmm. um so we should be putting back nutrients to stimulate the growth of this uh, algae and then basically the algae when they die they just fall to the ground on the ocean floor mm-hmm. and then basically you know mollusks eat them on the ground of the right. ocean so um yeah which we farmed out also <laughs> so uh yeah definitely um so that, that that's just like two uh, natural ways to sequester carbon i also saw there's this um like there's this, these startups that are basically using these um it's kind of like um uh, algae i don't want to call them like lamps they're like vertical like farms um that look like like a telephone booth and you just kind of put them on the sidewalks and they act as trees but apparently they're like 400 times more efficient than a tree at producing um producing uh oxygen really yeah well, let me, what let me try and see on my notes uh if i could find it here um let me see oh bioluminescent uh no that's a different thing we can talk about it after but um there is here you can just we can move on to something else though but i'll try and find oh here it is here algae fueled bioreactor which soaks up co2 400 times more effectively than trees so if you click on this link here here come see oh yeah yeah so yeah so it's like this box and it's filled with yeah it's filled with like these algae and basically it kind of looks like a um, vending machine for our our viewers here it's like a vending machine but with like tubes of algae and the idea is that the sunlight hits the algae and it's just going through pipes and uh, and then then i guess so co2 goes in uh, light goes in and oxygen comes out is basically the idea and it's like very very compact and it's i guess it's equivalent to having 400 trees so um if you imagine these like being on sidewalks of uh i mean i don't know if i'd like them compared to regular real trees they're probably (laughs) 
I mean, it looks like a cool vending machine, but uh, it looks but apparently good. it's uh, very good at emitting oxygen. So, I mean, that's a innovative way of uh, getting things done. I um, mean, it says yeah. Like I'm just reading through. I'm just reading through the literature really fast. But I mean, yeah, it says it's promising. It's promising and plans to share the reactor market in 2020. But this is an article from 2019. No one knew about COVID. So. Let's just see where it's going at right now. I'll <laughs> yeah, I looked at that like uh, company, and they do a lot of other stuff. So okay. it didn't seem like they were that invested into this product, but um, might be interesting. Mm. Like if they're actually working on it behind the scenes, I can't imagine that there's that much of a market for it to be honest. Because it'll just be the city, like the municipalities buying it, and like what the like you know you have to maintain these things, right? They don't want to spend their money on providing you oxygen what is this <laughs> it's like they want to just they'll, they'll plant trees even um if they don't have to water them but yeah like i'm i'm just checking this out but there hasn't been any any updates on that particular on that particular product but mm -hmm. anyway so. yeah i mean but it's a interesting idea and it, apparently it works um i just don't see it being uh like economically a good like option to be honest but now why do you think it's not going to be a good economic uh or why do you think it's not a good viable uh viable option but like, i mean like you know like wh when you say like oh it's 400 trees like that sounds nice on paper yeah but you probably need like you know trillions of like billions and billions of trees right to uh, to even like take out a small dent of of what we emit each year here like we can probably look up um like how how many tons of carbon does a tree suck out of the air per year or something i can i can't imagine it being uh you know very significant maybe like a few kilo you know a few kilograms a few hundred kilograms a year like per tree like i don't know um, yeah but now but i'm thinking about the form factor of this of this machine right so if this here, one so yeah. so one tree a mature tree mm -hmm. uh i think young trees actually absorb more because they're growing but a mature tree absorbs 48 pounds per year of carbon. Okay. So what was your, your uh, we do quick maths. We like quick maths in this podcast. It was 33 billion tons of carbon dioxide. Yeah, globally. 33.1 billion. 33.1 billion. Okay. So billion uh, tons, Met right? Metric tons. Metric yeah, tons. Metric so that's yeah. a, yeah, uh, metric tons. So we have to convert that pounds which is not fun at all 2.2 22,000 uh, pounds for a metric ton what is, what's the conversion oh man i'm, I'm oh, just man. gonna google google 2.2 pounds per kilogram oh, yeah, 1,000 kilograms yeah. for a ton i don't know if it's american tons or inter, uh, u.s oh, it was u.s tons or british tons like what's there's a slight difference um let's let's do that i think that's that and then divide by 48 so basically you need uh 1.5 to the exponent 12 uh, trees. <laughs> I don't know how many, how many, uh, so what is that? That's like a, how many? Oh man. A billion, a billion is nine zeros, right? So, yeah, a billion. So a trillion, let's say a trillion tree, 1.5 trillion trees. Yeah. Like how many trees are there in the world? Approximately. Approximately, let's see. A three trillion. So uh, apparently, according to our really crappy math that's probably wrong and we probably just <laughs> divided instead of multiplied or something like that but um there's probably enough trees to suck up all the uh carbon uh, in in a year but uh 
but I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about those maths. But anyways, let's just say we need to double the amount of trees in the world. Let, let's, say, let's say the three trillion trees were just enough to keep the ecosystem going on a regular basis. And then we're adding 1.5 trillion uh, trees we need to, to, to mitigate what we're doing. So let's say we need to imagine doubling or whatever, let's say 1.5 times the amount of trees in the world. Like just in the Amazon, imagine adding a whole Brazil worth of trees, right? That would be like, that would be intense. And that's not even the whole world, right? That's that's like just I don't know, maybe like like a quarter of the trees. Like I, I don't know. And then and then you have to take into consideration the uh, the imp- the impending weather that we're having, also like the amount of fires that's been occurring mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Like exactly. So it's like really a uphill battle to do it yeah. only with. Um, with trees, right? <laughs> but then, but then back to that, back to that reactor, that bi, uh, that yeah. So the bioreactor. So yeah. let's say it was four hundred times, right? Okay, so yeah, sure. It's, uh, let, so let's say yeah. With so you had one point five trillion trees you needed to do. Mm-hmm. So, let's say you d- divide by that four hundred, right? Um, to to get how many of these reactors you would need in in lieu of trees, right? Mm-hmm. So that would be uh, three billion. Three billion seven hundred fifty million of these bioreactors. So imagine you would need I don't know, I don't know, probably every block in every city of the world, right? <laughs> like at least one. So but, whoever's but, making this and they get an order for three billion, they're gonna be uh, like the whole economy of the earth. <laughs> like <laughs> I mean, I mean, yes, it sounds it sounds insane right now when we think about it, but we also have to take into consideration this is due to the amount of uh, carbon that we're currently emitting right mm-hmm. so if there were cutbacks on certain things we might not need that much so exactly so it's not the way that i see it is these these bioreactors they don't we don't need that many but we just need like maybe maybe like a quarter fraction one eighth or something like that to the point where it's kind of like it's helping it's it's helping the cause because we don't we don't need just one solution to fix everything, but rather a diverse uh, a diversified portfolio of different types of ways to help the earth at this point. Yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah. Like I would say, like if it, it would make logical sense if you said like every building project that got approved had to have one, and that would be like a, a decent way to at least I don't know mitigate at least the the energy done cooling uh, and heating the buildings. I don't know something like that because four hundred trees wouldn't even fit on the lot that you're building on probably exactly exactly so that could be that could be helpful if that if that were the Mm -hmm. case but then then again there there is no costs associated to this so yeah who knows man it could be like it's probably like i don't know just me looking eyeballing that thing it's probably 30 grand to buy one you think 30 yeah 30 grand like maybe if it's mass produced it'll fall down to like 10k or something but oh wow okay like and then you probably need to maintain it so you probably need to spend like a thousand every few months so like I don't know, clean it out or something. I'm just gonna check the price because Google Google just like pop. Yeah, uh, like I mean, like buying a, a charging station for uh, for like Tesla, it's like seventy grand. So <laughs> just to give you like a scale of like what what things normally cost, like vending machines, regular vending machines are around uh, like five grand or something like that. So <laughs> it's just like I like Reddit. I just like Reddit and their comments. It's like. Their website is complete garbage. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, people are very uh, critical, but um, you know, language. if you read between the lines, are usually the masses are usually correct on a probability <laughs> basis of probability. God, 
Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway. I mean, yeah. So, you know, there's there's interesting uh, ways to uh, to use these uh, natural ways to sequester carbon. Right. Uh, one of the dangers, though, is um, you know, right now, well, this is not really for carbon, but there, it is uh, with um, like geo engineer, well, not geo engineering, but uh, terraforming, I guess. So one of the problems is plastic, right? Okay. So in the ocean, especially. So one of the things they're trying to do is they're trying to um, modify, genetically modify bacteria, or at least discover bacteria, like at the depths of volcanoes or something like that, that can actually eat plastic. And then it'll transform to, I don't know, carbon and hydrogen or something like that. But why do you think that there's danger behind so this? So basically, like, if it goes rogue, well, the whole world is made of plastic and if you don't contain it properly, then it'll start like eating your fridge and like eating your like uh, car and eating your, you know, like imagine like that would be great. Like imagine fungus like or black mold, right? Like it just kind of lives there. But imagine if it was like eating your plastic stuff and you just like start eating the toilets and like, well, that's porcelain. But um, well, maybe some say yeah, bathtubs are plastic. <laughs> but yeah, so imagine you'd have like holes uh, being eaten and everything would start decaying and you know most of the things that plastic is used for is for things you don't you want lasting of these you know a, a sufficiently long time so so yeah so there are dangers of it but it is a very interesting way to solve the problem right because if you can degrade plastic then i mean if you can degrade plastic that's going to help at least like our the ecology at least the oceans uh, oceans ecology it it is going to help that but back to your point Yes, we don't know what that bacteria will do to the rest of the world because yes, it's great. It's great on paper that it's going to help that certain that certain part. But like you said, if it goes loose, if it goes rogue, what are what's the contingency plan? Did they even think about what's going to happen? That's that seems like an interesting topic in general, just to find out. <laughs> that reminds me of um, oh, well, I don't remember exactly what it was. It was like you know when the colonists came over. <laughs> and and they had a problem with what was it? Oh man, I don't I don't remember the exact scenario. I mean, like there's a, probably a lot of these examples, but I think like let's say in one in Japan they had a problem where the colonists came over and brought rats from their ships, and then so they introduced cats into some of the islands, and then the the uh, the cats like ate all the life on the islands, and it's like overrun with cats and some of these Japanese islands and things like oh, that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the, true. That's I, I think true, the same right. thing with rabbits. Like they just like. Uh, like they had rab like they had a ship that capsized, but it was like holding rabbits for fur trade, and then they just kind of like jumped off the, the ship to the island, and now the islands like there was no natural predators, they just like got invaded with um rabbits with rabbits, and I uh, think in Alberta, so Alberta is like the only place in the world that doesn't have rats. Yes, and that was because like in the, I don't know, they it got introduced, and then. Uh, in the early 1900s or late 1800s, yep. they all like they had a war on rats, and they had to like, like hunt down every single last rat. And now there's like actually like barriers for rats around the whole province, so, like and a rat warning system and stuff. And they have to like go catch them before it's, it like spreads. It's really interesting. I mean, they they were shooting them down. Yeah. Like they they had cats. They had got like they 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 had cats. They had ways to just shoot them down. And I was just like shit man dude this is like alberta's pretty serious about uh yeah so that was like that. That was, that's like one of these like really random facts that i think is like so fascinating yeah. and like this there's history behind it and and uh yeah <laughs> that, that one's good so yeah so maybe it'll be something like that right where you have to like oh shit what we've just made a worse problem than what we solved so <laughs> i mean it could be or i believe was it australia where they had like uh i think they had a type of beetle and then they they employed 
frogs or a type of toad oh, that yeah. ended up becoming invasive to the <laughs> jeez man <laughs> it's just like you're trying to solve a problem but you're just making it worse exactly so yeah that's uh that's one of the things i'm like cautious with with all these um these terraforming ideas is that we might just be making well we're just shifting one problem into another problem yeah. right um which might be okay in the short term but uh it might be another challenge to to tackle in the future so um so yeah so you know we can cut sequester carbon naturally in you know forests and water um like we should be probably using uh built like like timber more for um construction so one of the ideas is that um okay so we're constructing all these things so all of that could be just carbon sinks, right? So they, they've like looked into um, adding CO2 into the um, mixture of concrete so, mm-hmm. and, and then also using more wood that's grown specifically just to sequester carbon and then, um, and then you're, you know, you're using it to build it. So it's kind of being, it's not being like burned, right? Or whatever. So like that, that's one of the ideas is that, okay, well, you're going to pave your roads with, carbon that's been sequestered or you're gonna uh, use concrete that has carbon injected into it um, and they're trying to find a way okay well can if I can I add carbon dioxide you into the car into the concrete mixture and at the same time strengthen the concrete so there's people working on this in the labs and apparently they've like had moderate success like it's like I don't think it's like a ginormous amount maybe it's like five percent more strength on the concrete or something but then like. for how much work yeah, exactly. That's the whole like uh, that's, call. That's, and that's then you're like doing right? that. It takes actually more energy, and then is that energy green? And and uh, guys, uh, watch our uh, green energy uh, series. <laughs> we'll uh, plug that in there. We have an episode. Green energy is what episode episode two. Just just yep. check it out. It's always informative. There you go. So uh, yeah, so that's uh, so that's one of the things they're looking into. And also, I guess another way. I don't know if this is still counts as. Um, well, it's not really carbon sequestration, but one of the things they've been looking into is, um, like, I, I remember this, like, when I was, you know, 15 years ago, um, they were looking at, um, there's two things, actually. One is uh, inducing rainfall, and the other one, and cloud formation, and the other one is um, using, like, reflective shrapnel in the air. Right. To, uh, like, aerosols to, like, reflect sunlight back into space right and that's using that's using what sulfuric uh, not sulfuric acid but like uh like a silver um like uh, silver i thought it was a i thought it was a mixture of uh, sulfur i thought it was is like, that for the which one is that for um the reflecting so or the uh, cloud seeding for for reflecting oh i thought it was like a silver i don't know maybe mm. It's because it's because they said that the adverse effects is uh, it would end up with the mixture of ox- uh, with the mixture of hydrogen and mm-hmm. oxygen it would start creating water which would then force uh, sulfuric acid so water water <laughs> oh, crazy. but I mean in a way it would also help us mm-hmm. as well so this is also part of geoengineering not mm-hmm. uh, not so much terraforming but geoengineering uh, yeah exactly yeah. so the, there's um, a lot of uh, especially in China I think they're using this and also in the Midwest in the U- in the US oh, yeah. to like get enough water for their crops they have like these planes that just fly and they spray a bunch of aerosols into the into the air and then it seeds clouds and then there's rain that falls like in a few days later so yeah. that's actually a thing and also yeah i thought it was silver uh for the um it's like little foil that they like kind of 
launch into the stratosphere with weather balloons. Mm -hmm. It just kind of drags a bunch of little foil and it kind of floats and it reduces the amount of um, sun being like hitting the earth, right? Okay, and it just floats like... Yeah, it's like really light, like, you know, with the wind, it'll just kind of, it carries it for like a few days. Okay. So, but I don't know. I don't know about that one because the whole world, like in my mind, the whole world just kind of revolves around energy, right? Mm -hmm. And harnessing energy from the sun. Right. So if you're like reducing the amount of energy that the earth receives, you're reducing, you know, everything, like you're reducing all life, uh, you're reducing the speed at which, you know, uh, things you, you are, are created and destroyed. I don't know. I think I think you are, and you, you come up with a good point. You are and you aren't. But I suppose, I suppose what they're trying to do is they're trying to limit the amount of sun exposure. So yes, so yes, it may not be great for solar solar energy. But then again, how much how much can solar energy benefit from from the sun? Like it's not like our entire world has this huge huge solar panel that's covering us that's able to take that right so yeah but i mean like if you're reducing the amount of sun yeah sure you're stopping the warming temporarily but you're also reducing the growth of the trees for example fair and the, fair. the yeah. activity of the algae and then if let's say the algae and the trees don't grow then the animals can't eat and then we don't have any and then you know I food mean... and so I, I think there's going to be a much worse effects because when you're pumping carbon like creating carbon you're not removing or create like removing energy from the system, right? Or creating energy in the system. You're just moving it from one medium to another, right? It was in the ground and then you throw it in the air. Right. So we need a way to take it from the air and put it back into the ground. That's <laughs> I, I suppose. So that's yeah. now let's I think that's a good segue into the carbon sequestration though, um, where we're literally trying to do that. Yeah, carbon sequestration. So there's like a lot of so carbon sequestration, guys. Is oh well, it's carbon capture. It's um there's a here's a nice uh, thing from Wikipedia again. It's commercial techniques uh to basically take uh carbon from the air and then store it in into another place. Let's say. So you can either um, use solvents, or you can uh, use brines, or you, uh, there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of methods on doing that, and there's a lot of exploration on what's the best way to do it, right? Mm -hmm. So um, you know, uh, so there's and then you can, once you've car captured it, you can actually you know harvest it, I guess, for other uses, right? It's like in one spot, so. Like what they're looking is to do use it for beverage carbonation. That's one of them. They're looking to use it for enhanced oil recovery, um, for synthetic fuel and plastics. Uh, like I said, the concrete strength. Right. Um, uh, for productivity of algae farms. Um, so so there's yeah there's a bunch of uh, uses, but. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm also skeptical about this one too, though. <laughs> like, literally what happens is, like, they pump it in to either, like, the ocean bed or, like, into, like, rock formations and stuff, and it, like, forms, like, lakes of CO2 under the water and stuff like that. It's crazy. So how did they do that? So so they grab, like, a huge tankard of, like, CO2 CO2 gas, and they just keep adding pressure into it, and they, they pump it into the earth? Yeah, is exactly. It? Yeah, okay. it becomes eventually, like, a liquid because liquid, it's, right. like, so much pressure. Right. And then eventually, I guess, they just cover up the hole and, like, 
just leave it screw there. it off yeah <laughs> and they they allow like i suppose earth to absorb that liquid and then do something with it yeah exactly okay. like it's, a, it's supposed to like eventually react with like i think the silica and like make some hydrates or um it, like or it dissolves gradually into the water making some calcium but then but then carbonic acid i don't know like doesn't much, sound like that yeah but good I'm, an idea to be honest <laughs> yeah but now i'm wondering like how much effort is that to to put that in there right oh yeah there's like big big pumps and it takes in a, if you're like on an oil rig or something yeah you're just using more energy from oil to pump it back in so from yeah i don't i don't think it makes that much sense to be honest unless we're you're using it to do something else with it like i don't know um I don't think there's enough car- beverages to carbonate in the world to uh, in a single year to uh, and, and even that it just kind of leaks out into the atmosphere, guys. So I don't know how smart that is, um, but yeah, like the only thing I can think of is creating more plastics. But then it's like basically creating more plastic problems. So right, um, like I think they need to find a be- like a better way to use it. Like if it could be used, like can transform into a solid, and then um, I don't know. Isn't that, but isn't that what China's doing also? Like they have like, um, I believe it's a, is it a machine? It's some sort of CO2 capturing machine where they're able to grab all the CO2 emissions or a good portion of CO2 emissions and convert that into some sort of rock. Like they, they it kind of like form, solidifies it into some sort of rock. I, I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. There. Yeah, I think so. Like, uh, that's why these, I think they have to use like some sort of solvent to get that done. But basically, but then I like even that, like, I'm not sure if it's, um, like that environmentally friendly right because a lot of these solvents and they're like mined and like from really dirty like industrial processes and they just use the brine and they're like okay yeah um but yeah I don't, i'm not sure yeah i'm not sure if it's like that good as well <laughs> to be honest oh, man. but yeah there's a there's like some yeah i don't know there, there, there's some good ideas like maybe maybe eventually it'll uh catch on but for now like what people are doing when they say oh yeah we capture it and just store it down in the ocean like i'm not sure if that's the best way <laughs> if that's really the best way yeah of course mm-hmm. uh let's see here so, yeah so another yeah uh, before we get yeah I, so i wanted to actually bring up some uh, some interesting applications that they were uh trying to uh, develop on is and this one's the bioluminescence mm-hmm. using bioluminescence um yeah it's not really about carbon but it's about interesting ways to use less carbon i guess or less use less energy so one of the things they're doing is that they like injected uh trees with bioluminescent algae into the cells of the trees and then at night it actually acts as a street lamp it's like the craziest stuff like it glows in the dark the trees start glowing in the dark yeah so imagine a world where we don't use um like electricity anymore to light our streets we just have all our trees on the on the walkways just light up at night like christmas trees that like that would be crazy yeah no right now i'm just like that that the guy i was like uh i don't know if it was mit or stanford or something they were like working on it it was like the craziest like those guys are smart man (laughs) that is a good idea i think Uh, this is actually cool okay uh luciferin okay luciferase a reaction most of the stuff no freaking clue how this is possible but we're just gonna skip through all that stuff i just want to know like has this been has this been already put into application is yeah in there... the lab in the lab they've got it to work it's just that right now they're working on the 
light yield like they want to make it brighter and last for a longer time after the sun has set so right now it works let's say i don't know for like an hour and mm. then after that it just runs out of energy because it has to store the light in the day and then emit it at night mm-hmm. but um yeah i mean it could be really cool a really cool one but that would be basically uh kind of like a geoengineering uh where we're you know changing the world around us to to our needs right well i mean there's they need they need more time with the stuff because this seems like mm-hmm. the one thing the one thing that i noticed is quite a lot of people tend to overhype certain certain projects that are being built saying that oh man this is the future it's like yeah that's that's great but <laughs> i mean you know it's gonna take quite some time why why hyper like you know why overhype it so much uh but this this seems like a real cool concept mm-hmm. uh it's it's really neat it's just that yeah it's gonna take i don't know another 10, 10 years 20 years 10, yeah 10 20 years i mean a lot of times like okay maybe it won't replace street lamps entirely it'll maybe um you know maybe they'll uh use it for Home know, use yeah or even like let's say reflect you know like on the sidewalk sometimes for um for people, there's like, well, even let's say lane markings on in traffic. Yeah. It's really hard to see at night, so they have reflective paint, right? Right. Well, I don't know how good that is for the environment. Maybe they're going to have like an algae-based bioluminescent paint that they just apply and it like it lights up at night and the whole street is just like lit up like a, it's, like a video game. <laughs> it's lit up and on top of that, if it's good for the environment, it's like let's say it just wears off over time, they could just reapply it and they're not putting any chemicals like the paints that they use, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's uh, that's one one interesting thing, and um, even like um, in architecture, there's a big push for like biomimicry. So biomimicry is when they like copy nature. Mm-hmm. So there's like they, you know they're like trying to find designs that actually um, you know look more like natural and use natural I don't know, shapes and things like that to like cool naturally the uh, the, the, the 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 structures. I actually like found a video event uh, at one point. Where they had um, these like mounds in the desert in, uh, like in in like New Mexico or something, okay. where all the houses are like in these mounds, and it's like this experimental, like hippie neighborhood that has no electricity. Like it's all, and they they actually cool the entire house with convection. Like it's they they it, it's built in like these mounds that take the cold air from the bottom, mm-hmm. and there's a natural updraft because of the design of the house. And it naturally pulls like cold air and cools down the entire house. And there's like the hot air is exhausted from the top. And it's just like the shape of the house. So, um, uh, where is this? this yeah, in New Mexico? yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it was in this, uh, in my links here, but, uh, yeah. in like New Nevada or New Mexico, something like that, where there's these like mound houses that they've been like trying to design. Okay, I'm going to have to check. This yeah. New it's Mexico. pretty, pretty cool. But another another thing that they've been trying to do is like slow down the um, the the melt of glaciers in Italy in particular. And what they've been doing is they have like these giant white tarps and or silver reflective tarps, and they just like lay it down on the ice in the summer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then so that way it like slows down the uh, rate of um, melt of the snow because you know like we've seen in the past, there's like a big problem with the snow melting too fast, especially. Like when you know when the spring thaw and it actually like floods out a lot of the places. So what they're doing is they put these tarps and it like slows down the um, rate of melt. So that's another way they're they're like kind of controlling the environment around them uh, to, to kind of combat the effects of climate change. 
So that's an interesting one. Um, yeah, let's did you see, see what else? Uh, I couldn't find I couldn't find those houses because it's mm -hmm. just Google Google's being. Yeah. Oh, I'll try and find after. Another one of these um, interesting projects that they're doing to try and co control the environment around them is they have these um, there there's like they're they they have these tube like they're trying to put these tubes that like kind of suck air out of the um, like suck moisture out of the air. So basically, it's like the air goes into the tube, the tube gets pushed down into the ground, and then the ground uh, is colder, so it'll condense the water out of the air, mm -hmm. and then they can. And they have like a reservoir underground and that way even in the desert um they can like start collecting water in okay these like reservoirs it's okay. just by sucking it out of the air yeah, yeah right so it's just it's forming condensation and then it's creating fresh water that way that's mm -hmm. it you could actually do that even uh like let's say it's a hot day what you could do is you could just grab uh if i remember if i do you remember popular mechanics for kids yeah yeah yeah, course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah they so, had like some like uh what was it for Boy Scouts or something? Yeah, One of these kind of things, yeah. So it's just like at one point, what they were saying is what uh, to trap condensation. All you have to do is you just have to grab like a uh, a, a transparent plastic bag and then mm -hmm. you attach it to the corners, and then the the condensation would then form over the bag, and then you're able to find a way to leak out the water and just like <laughs> yeah, that's like if you're like in the middle of a desert, like about to die, and you need to get some water and something like that and you get clean water out of it yeah, yeah. but i mean it'll take quite some time and you'll probably die before that <laughs> but but it's possible yep uh, that's cool and another thing they've been looking at is um uh covering uh the like uh, i think maybe we've talked about this in like previous podcasts but check it out again guys uh other our other podcasts <laughs> one of the things they're looking at is um using they they putting uh solar panels floating on lakes Okay, yeah. And so, yeah. I don't know if you talked about this, but basically, Not... yeah, so the idea is that um, it would reduce the amount evaporating out of these lakes because the mm -hmm. lakes are drying up, and at the same time, we were creating energy because basically, instead of the uh, light creating heat in the water, it's creating electricity and it's going out. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so they're covering basically lakes with solar panels and things like that. Oh, do you have an example of where? Uh, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, let me see. So here's an article from 2021. So this one is, let's see where it is. Uh, guys, guys, bear with us for a second here. Uh, like there's lots of pic pictures here. Like I'm seeing lots of pictures with uh, floating solar panels. They're just not saying where it is exactly. Um, uh, oh, England. This is... Uh, Wind, Windermere, England, is is one of them. Okay. Um, like I mean, these are just like trials, I guess, that they're using. But uh, uh, let me try and find you some other ones. Let's see. Yeah. So this one has another one. Um, this one's in Japan, so they're studying that. Uh, so that's cool. Uh, yeah. So there's like a lot of these. Uh, a lot of these like i don't know it's like apparently it's like a, a fad now so we'll see if it actually does anything or catches on or because you know you probably need like a, a boat to go maintain any of these panels so it kind of becomes a bit cumbersome mm -hmm. but uh you know it's an interesting idea nonetheless to control the rate of, of evaporation of uh of, of the water so 
I think I think what's important is that people are making a conscious effort of trying different things out to see, you know, what will stick and what will help uh, mm-hmm. our society or our like our environment at the moment. So I mean, it's it's really neat. It's really neat that they're trying this out, and let's hope that it does something. But yeah, mm, there's also what is it? Yeah, exactly. And another um, another thing is uh, well, like like similar to those uh, uh, the um, the lake uh, solar panel uh, solar panels on lakes. Uh, again, going back to our plugging in our previous episodes. Uh, the Moroccan uh, solar farm project in right. the Sahara. Yeah. Basically, you're actually reducing the load because basically the sand is basically like a big battery. Like it just absorbs tons of heat during the day, yeah. releases it at night. Well, now if you're re- you're absorbing it in the day and using it for electricity somewhere else, you're basically reducing that entire effect. So you might have a way to cool down uh, the desert, which is an interesting idea in itself. <laughs> and maybe with combination of what we've just spoke about of the planting of trees you might be able to you know do something control, in, yeah, control the expansion that. of the the desert which is like a big problem actually there's a big problem with them like one back going back to that gobi desert thing right um every year especially in china korea and, and japan they have like all this like smog that comes in basically what it is is that uh i don't remember what time of the year it is but basically the sands get picked up by like big storms and they get dumped, and they, they mix with all the pollution. Mm-hmm. And basically, like it, it like uh, there's year, parts of the year where you go outside and it's just like orange everywhere. Like it looks like a forest fire, and it's basically just like like smoggy sand, really. And so it's and it's wrecking like uh, South Korea and Japan. Wow. So okay. Yeah, like here if you can find uh, like Let's see Gobi here. Desert Dust Storms, South Korea. Yeah, we'll look for some images. Yeah, here looks like it looks like uh, like hell on earth. <laughs> like it's like yellow or orange. Oh wow! Yeah, and it's basically it's basically just like pollution mixed with sand. And that's just yeah, yeah it's it's just sand. yeah, basically. So it uh, blows up from the desert like Mongolian stuff, and then and then on to uh, South Korea and Japan. So you know if you can stop that from happening, uh, the, the, like when this happens, like school gets canceled, people don't go outside, you need to wear masks, like. Um, you know, it's bad for health, so it's worth controlling maybe to, uh, and this is like the most populated pro- uh, places on earth, right? So, uh, and yeah, so could be an interesting uh, thing. I'm just wondering, uh, I'm trying to find out the article about collecting the CO2 emissions into solids. Oh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of that. I was actually also looking at, yeah, like basically there's like pools of brine that they like, basically pump carbon dioxide into and and then it like cal it becomes like a solid salt and then they calcified and then they kind of scoop it out and uh once it evaporates the water and uh yeah but i mean there's there's tons of ways to do it they also like inject it into rocks and then the rocks react with it um over time and it makes like there's one here called clathrate hydrates um and carbonic acid sometimes you can make it but then you're basically like acidifying the ocean so i don't know how good that is either if you're like pumping into the ocean to make that um and then, about, uh, one how... of the other things is they say like if you pump it into the ocean you might have deep sea bacteria mm-hmm. that creates methane it eats this like carbon dioxide and creates methane which is even worse but then how about like bill gates the solution of like a capturing capturing co2 
I mean, so yeah, that's why like it sounds nice, but if you're not doing anything with the CO two, it's basically just like you you're know just additional costs. Yeah, and you're, you're just hoarding it nothing. somewhere. Yeah, like it, it sounds not that productive, right? Mm. So if there's a way to like transform it into a use a usable substance, that would be like I think the best case. Right. Because then people would have an incentive to capture it because they can make money off of it. Right. So if you can make like a fuel out of it. Maybe that's a good way, but then you're again you're burning fuel, which is making more. I mean, maybe you can make a closed loop system at that point, but um, yeah, there's a you know I think there's gonna take a lot of research, and I think people will eventually find a good way to use it. But right now, our best way is a terrible way of just pumping it into rocks and water, and hoping uh, it stays there. So, <laughs> just, yeah. And let's see, let's hear what what else is there? What else is there going on here? Yeah, I desert mean, greenery. Uh, that's that's something we mm-hmm. were just talking about. Hmm. Yeah. So I mean, we talked about you know controlling the forests, um, you know, greenifying the cities, uh, adapting architecture, and and you know with streetlights and all these things. We've talked about you know geoengineering. Yeah, as we're well as creating creating water with yeah. either cloud seeding or um, with these like pulling out of the air with condensation. Um, we've talked about, you know, stopping deserts and desertification. We've talked about, um, also like you know, the, the, the bioreactor, ble- ble- bioreactor bleaching of the, uh, uh, bleaching of the corals and how that's creating, uh, like all this, uh, seaweed, uh, accumulation. Uh, prob- accumulation and problems yeah. and that we're decimating all the, uh, fish life. So, I mean, that's just some ways, um, is there other things I can think of? let's see here i mean looks like i mean i guess that there's like flood control we could talk about like the netherlands and flood control or you oh. know like basically all of the netherlands is built under the ocean level right okay and did you know that no <laughs> oh, I it's didn't. crazy yeah no, so I didn't. the I netherlands didn't. is basically like always at risk of completely some being submerged by the ocean okay um but because they're built under the water the the ocean like level okay like, well like a lot of it anyways and so they have all these dike systems that are very complicated to control the flow of water. And if they didn't have that, they would literally be submerged underwater. Oh, wow. Okay. Hey, hey, you didn't know that? No. Oh, man. Yeah. It's basically like, uh, oh, it's crazy what they do. And they're like basically always at risk. And um, same thing with oh, Venice as well. Venice oh, yeah. has a dual problem of being like on a marsh and it's like sinking at the same time as the water is like rising. Mm-hmm. So they have to like continuously expand and, and raise the... Um, the, the, the barriers along the ocean yeah. so so yeah that's uh, another thing so i mean that is technically geoengineering right you're you're controlling and uh, and remember i think was it last year or the year before that venice was flooded by oh every year every year it's flooded like if you look at pretty bad I, I yeah think well sometimes it's worse bad. than other yeah. years but yeah yeah like literally it's under like two feet of water and uh yeah but that's why i think the statistically it's like sinking by like it's, it's quite a lot like it sinks by like an inch a year or something like that which is, or here, let me try and find it. It's, it's actually a lot. Like, like you, you'd be surprised. You'd be like, what the hell? Like, how is it not completely <laughs> sinking right And I mean, and I mean, has this been sinking for the last, like, li- whoa, here. I wasn't an inch, but it was a millimeter per year. Okay. So you can imagine, like, these buildings are built in, like, 1400s. So 600 millimeters of drop is, let's say, two feet. So it's two feet lower than when it was built. <laughs> so imagine if it was built at water level, it'd be like two feet under the water. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And this has been occurring since what? Like, I guess it's been occurring 
since yeah since it, since it started basically like they they found like graffiti and stuff like under the water level so they can actually date like when it was constructed and um like like what would have been the water level right because they say mm-hmm. oh yeah this was built they know this building was built in 1630 based on like the style of the architecture mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. they see that the graffiti probably was at street level at one point or at the bottom of the street level now it's like underwater by like two feet mm-hmm. they can say oh it must have sunk by two feet <laughs> so that's yeah. crazy that it's kind of a frightening feeling that certain countries in certain areas like their cities they're they're just sinking oh and... yeah like even um like uh like dubai right like they they created they dredged up the ocean they suck up the sand create new sand but then they have now a whole problem of how it's not natural, right? So they're yeah. trying to like contain the sand and stop the whole buildings that they just built like by washing away. So they have to like continuously like place rocks and things to like stop the erosion. The erosion from that. Yeah. Oh man. They're just like... And on top of that, it's the same thing. Well, I mean, it's it's sort of like the same thing with the Niagara Falls, right? The erosion of the Niagara Falls. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, like yeah, when Niagara is discovered, it was like how many feet like further along, like. Exactly. Or even like when, yeah, wait, here. I can't, Erosion I can't. rate of Niagara. Of Niagara, yeah. It's pretty, cl- uh, pretty, here, one foot a year. So you can imagine like when they discovered it, let's say it was Indeed. 400 years ago. Yeah. So it was like 400 feet um, further along, right? <laughs> so here, let's go to the map of Niagara. Like where would it, it probably wouldn't have been as nice, you know? <laughs> um, it wouldn't have been as nice, but that's, that's like, that's insane. The amount, the amount that it's just continuously reducing. Yeah, so it's it, uh, I I think that's like fascinating, where it's uh yeah it's it's not even in the same spot as it used to be. Actually, there if you go to the Niagara Falls, they have like an animation of what it used to look like, and like they show you like in one thousand years what it's gonna be. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. Basically, like four hundred feet is like, um, kind of like it probably would have been only like one falls at that time, or or just starting to break into two, I guess. But yeah, eventually, like, it'll... Because the mouth of the river widens, um, so it might be that it actually starts slowing down the rate of um, of expansion, because it's like, if there's more surface area, there's less per, you know, yeah. square, square meter, or whatever it is. And you can see it in this picture also, like, yeah. on the... Oh, yeah, exactly. See? Yeah, yeah. So it was basically one, one fall when they discovered it, and <laughs> now it's two. And eventually, it might be uh, back to one. Actually, once Goat Goat Island is surpassed, so wow, yeah, isn't that crazy? That is, actually... and it's not it's not even that long ago, right? So, um, you know, I could I could probably trace like uh my my ancestry back to, you know, sixteen hundred. So Damn. so you know, one of them might have known that that existed as a single fall. <laughs> Last observed and the last observed fall recession. Geez, that's that's quite a huge jump between that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So. So yeah. So there's a lot of places like that, and uh, geoengineering uh, could, if if we want to, um, prevent things like that, um, with you know new and novel ways. It just man's like if there's a will, <laughs> and it, you know they'll find a way eventually. But then again, like when when we're looking at this, this is just a normal course of Actually, life, right? Yeah, actually, speaking about erosion, which is also another like interesting thing, is that um, the water levels, like let's say ten thousand years ago, were mm-hmm. much lower because the glaciers hadn't melted after the ice age yet, or had not fully melted. Um, so a lot of archaeo- archaeological sites from like let's say before the Egyptian period, like 
I don't know, 10,000 years ago, mm-hmm. um, are actually underwater. And that's why we haven't discovered them yet. Well, that's what why that's the, the hypothesis of why we haven't discovered them yet. And that's why when they say, oh, there's every there's tons of, um, not religions, but like ancient civilizations that have stories of Atlantis. And it's like, or, you know, variations of Atlantis, right? And it's like, why is that? Well, probably they knew of a place, you know, five, a few thousand years back, um, that had been passed down in legend that had eventually been washed away and we can't find Atlantis now because it's basically just, you know, buried somewhere. It's um, buried somewhere under the water. In sand, right? So you'll never, you know, find it. But just, you know, just thinking of that, like, oh, 10,000 years ago, people lived in very different places that don't exist anymore. It's just underwater. And that's just like an, you know. That's, that's crazy. It's crazy how, like, there, there were civilizations living in those places, but they're all gone now. And yeah, yeah. And, and so, know. like, yeah, one of the, pr- the problems of um, archaeology, if you study archaeology, is, like, how do you, like, how do you go back further if all the sites, because people would have lived next to water. That's where people usually live, right? Yeah. So, yeah, how do you, how do you find these places when they're underwater and getting funding to, to do underwater excavations, like, impossible, basically. <laughs> but, yeah, no, that, I think it's, like, it's interesting just to think about, I guess. Jeez. Yeah. Well. So yeah. So we talked about yeah, stopping glaciers. Um, you know that that's actually a big problem is that um, if the glaciers uh, dry up, um, I think most of the world actually like depends on glaciers for water, fresh water. There's very actually very few places that actually get enough rain to sustain them, um, like on a yearly basis without those. Right. Um, without those. Uh, glaciers in place right so you might see a lot of um you know water shortage problems which could be a topic of another episode um water water issues and and yeah so i mean we're gonna need geoengineering to solve those problems oh man water (laughs) shortages are quite that's quite the fear it's like a lot of people take it for granted but it's just and one day oh yeah well i think desalination will become more and more um well desalination is basically a geoengineering if you think about it that's core. well i mean you're taking water and transport the salt water and transforming into usable fresh water right i guess you could devise of a system that has you know massive amounts of desalination pumps and pumping it somewhere you know like reversing the flow of natural gas pipelines and sending water through it and bringing water to the prairies and things like that well i guess like if if there's enough of an issue of water scarcity i guess people would eventually resort to something like that oh that's cool i mean they have quite a because basically like when the glaciers melt your water is not like leaving earth right it's going somewhere else it's going into the oceans Mm -hmm. and it's going into the air so you know you can take it out of the air and you can take it out of the you know the ocean i guess they 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 have quite a few desalination uh plants but they're all at the uae saudi arabia yeah yeah israel's um Israel, most of their water, fresh water, comes from desalination. It's like something like yeah, so rec- forty to fifty percent of all their water. Yeah, there's a yeah. There, there you go. So rec- Israel. Yeah, because I mean it's the desert, so they they have economic incentive to do that, or else they can't live there. But uh, us, we're spoiled. We have the most fresh water of any country. Yeah, that's yeah. actually cool. It's cool that it's cool. It's cool that they've actually start building such a thing. So yeah, it's it'll. Ha- at, at some point or another should we reach that point it's like we'll have these we'll have already the technology behind it so yeah we have the technology it's just about um the efficiency and uh and uh yeah there's the negative side effects of everything obviously 
and exactly. the will and the, and yeah, not really the way. But yeah, imagine imagine a day when you know there's enough like uh, you know uh, purification plants that they're just like sucking massive amounts of water out of the ocean to combat the rising sea levels. Like imagine, and you're just like constantly just pumping it back out into the uh, places where there's drought. That'd be crazy. Well, anyway, I think we're. we're I think we're yeah. I think we've um, you know, exhausted uh, a lot of the topics we wanted to cover. Yeah. If you guys can think of any other uh, form of geoengineering or, um, you know, carbon sequestration or any, anything like that, you know, we'd love to know. We'll definitely think about ta- talking about it in another podcast. And then, like we said, like uh, we'll we'll definitely talk about terraforming uh, Mars and um, the Moon in a, maybe a space episode which we'll eventually uh, get to. It's on our list. So uh, thank you all for tuning in. Did you want to uh, close with anything? Well, that's that's pretty much it on my end. I, I think we, we really beat the horse on this one. Like, there's there's not much that we could talk about. Yeah, you about, know, you got to get that algorithm to, uh, to, to, to get us up on that and uh, <laughs> like the, smash the like button and all that jazz. But uh, thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you on our next episode. So I'm, I'm Hyena. And this is Fox. Thank you again.